You're tuned in to the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Welcome into the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Chicago Skybox Sports. Chilling here today with uh, with G Money and Chino, uh, reviewing a week. Uh, what was that? Week fifteen here of the NFL season. Bears taking another L. How you guys doing today? Good. Doing good. Merry Christmas to all. You know, merry belated Christmas. I guess if that's the way to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't. wasn't surprised for the L, but uh, you know, we still got that number two right now. We'll take it. Yeah, and I think that could be a, an early Christmas present as we are looking at, you know, heading into that off season in a couple of weeks here, and we have the potential now um, to possibly land the number one pick. We'll get into that here in a little bit, as well as uh, run through a mock draft to kind of see exactly what the Bears can do with their upcoming picks, and uh, we'll kick things off here as we are, you know, looking into the off season at um, potential offseason targets and I think we keep seeing these hits come to the offensive line and a couple of big names fell off of the uh, possible free agent list on the offensive line this past week with Elshon Jenkins from uh, the Packers signing an extension as well as right tackle um, Jake Conklin from the Cleveland Browns he signed an extension as well and Jenkins is a guy that could have played either guard or tackle he's a he's a guy you can move anywhere and he's he knows Luke Getz's system that a lot of people identified that as you know an automatic potential fit uh, for that reason knowing the offense and being able to step right in and Conklin has been a pretty solid starter right tackle since he's come in the league so He's a lot less options now when we're heading into the offseason and that offensive line, either line, offensive and defensive lines are probably the greatest needs uh, looking at this team. But yep. I think there's there's still talent there. There's there's still yeah. talent, well, not on the roster, but in the free agency. <laughs> free agency. I, I think it's pretty much safe to say that Tevin Jenkins – uh, you know, hopefully he's it ends up being a stinger for him from that injury from last week, and you know a lot. You know, stingers aren't great, but better than what it could have potentially been when you see somebody get carted off the field. Um, but we're still going to need to replace a lot of and a lot of those guys on the offensive line, and I, I think Whitehair is a guy that's looking worse and worse every week. So uh, yeah. him him sitting out this last game was kind of a. Uh, not a blessing, but a blessing in disguise, but gives you an opportunity to check out some of the other guys. It doesn't seem like Schofield's going to be here for long. And uh, uh, Leatherwood is just seems like a guy, you know, he's a first former first round pick pickup. He, he might be a guy that maybe go to the offseason and see what he can do, but it doesn't seem like you're going to be counting on him too much either. Yeah. You can go ahead and pretty much take those guys and uh, send them on their way. Thank them very much for their services. We hope they like the city of Chicago and that they got nice things to say. However, we're going to go ahead and go out with, uh, go on without them. Um, God bless them, but um, they just definitely are not living up to what we need. Now, Braxton Jones, obviously, is the very interesting one, I think, on the line. Um, you are hearing good things. You know, we're hearing good things. We're hearing that he is outperforming tackles that were drafted ahead of him. Um, he's getting very good grades. In fact, I believe the last week, was apparently one of his best, um, and he really apparently held his own. So that very well, that being said, that's good. God bless him. But we're going to need to go ahead and put in a better left tackle um, because I'll be honest with you, if he is holding his own at left tackle, 
Um, and if he is the person that's a stud, I'm not certain if that's a really good class. So um, I'm open to definitely bringing in a left tackle, um, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, um, somebody like that. But that being said, Braxton has played good. So I do think he's earned himself a chance at another position, possibly right tackle. Um, and, if I, and to be honest with you, I believe that's his original position coming out of college. So that would be that being said, you know what? I think that would be a good idea. Keep him in there. You know, at, at least he's serviceable, definitely for backup positions. You know, if somebody gets rolled up on, we can put him in. Um, I don't know if he'll be a starter next year, but he would be the other one besides Tevin Jenkins that would be somebody we would look to bring back, um, somebody we could build off of. Um, but you know what? I mean, that being said, you know, he is a young kid. So, and again, I don't believe he's playing his natural position. Um, there could be something there, but not. I, I think we need to upgrade that position, upgrade the center by far. Mustafer has to go. Oh, my God. That guy's got to go. Um, so, we got to bring somebody in. I saw a clip of him the other day. Try, he thought it was the worst play. It looks like he's trying to run a screen. He totally screwed up what the play was. And he goes to run a screen, which means he peels off and goes out to the right. It's not a screenplay. So he is out there all by himself. It is the worst-looking thing for an offensive lineman. That guy's got to go. Um, but the trenches are where this game is won and lost. We know this. Um, I don't know if anybody saw, but right now the Bears' defensive line is apparently up uh, on pace to put up the statistical – worst the um, defensive line performance in franchise history. We've had one sack, I think, in nine games. Something like that. It's insane. Yeah, I think um, there's, a, there's a lot to be desired there. Now, uh, Braxton Jones did play left tackle in college, but he played at he a very small college, uh, whatever, Southern Utah or whatever, one of those directional schools. Um, so he hasn't really played against the con- where he made a name for himself was at the Senior Bowl, being able to hang with uh, some of the guys from the Power Five schools. But he hasn't done anything for me that shows that, like, hey, that's the future right there. He's been okay. Uh, yeah. One thing, one thing about those, um, you know, PFF rankings and, and evaluations is like they don't know what the play is, so they don't know what the play calls for or what his assignment was. So you can't really get a. I, I feel you can't really get the most accurate evaluation on it because they don't know what plays being run. They don't know what his assignment is on that play. They're just evaluating him on what he did, which is still, you know, something good. You know, if he's still ranked that high, then he's still doing a decent job, but it does um, say something. It, I think there's still, he hasn't done anything that would prevent me from either signing somebody. You got somebody like, um, Orlando Brown Jr. from just from, yeah, from Kansas City. From Kansas City. Yeah. He's 26 years old. He's been a pretty good left tackle so far. I think the issue with him that he had it in Baltimore and now with Kansas City is that he sees himself as an elite tackle and he wants to get paid that 20 something million a year. And oh, I, I don't know if he's there either. I, I oh, give him around 20, but I'm not sure if I'm making him one of the top five left tackles in the league. Um, but, you know, when you got money to throw around like you do this season, maybe that's something that you overpay for. That's free agency. So you're going to – Yeah, they're well, saying his market, 
I yeah, would be honest with you, that sounds like an offensive Roquan Smith situation. Roquan thought for sure he should be paid highest. And Ryan Poles is like, uh, I think third. Well, they're saying, they're saying his market value is at about five years, 112. So that's about 22 mil a year. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. And Roquan, that is up there. Roquan ain't protecting your quarterback. <laughs> Roquan ain't making sure that that guy's staying upright. I think that's that's the difference. When you're looking at, of course, you know the top positions outside of outside of the quarterback, you're looking at left tackle, you're looking at a pass rusher, and you're looking at a corner. Those are the next three positions that get paid money, and where the top guys are going to make over twenty mil easy. So I think that's a position where it's it's worth it to spend the money if you can get them signed because another thing I was looking at is when you look at the centers, you're also going to want to look for a center that's probably younger than 30 ideally. And I think you've got a couple guys when you look at that kind of age range that really aren't um, not going to cost that much. You got Garrett Bradbury. I take um, Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey's going to retire at the end of this year. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's 35. So I oh, he's up he, there. I didn't even realize he was that old. Woo. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna retire. But a couple of guys that I was looking at are uh, Garrett Bradbury from Minnesota. He's 27. Um, Bradley Bozeman from Carolina, which I like him, but I don't think they would sign him because they would have had the opportunity to sign him this past off season, and they didn't. And he only played for 2.8 million. So, uh, but Ethan Posich from uh, Cleveland, I think would be a good guy. He's only 27 as well. Made just over a mil this last season. It's probably going to go up, but the center is a position where it's not going to really cost you much, but it can be easily upgraded over the offseason. There's a couple guys here that that they can spend money on, and I think that's probably where they will. And then I guess the, the other area is probably right tackle. Uh, looking at right tackle, I think taking oh God, yeah. Jack Conner what about what's his- one of the big ones. I was going to say, even uh, the guy from San Francisco, what's his name, McGlinchey? McGlinchey. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I take him, too. He's about, what, 4.5 mil, roughly? Yeah. So. And he's a, he's a system guy, too. You know, they, they're all run that Shanahan West Coast offense. So he's a guy that you should, in theory, be able to plug and play. And he can Getsy step comes from so, Getsy comes from that. Uh, Getsy comes from that line. Yeah. And he's not, he's not maybe, you know – elite but he's a guy that's solid he's not gonna give you too many problems he's gonna be able to, to step in right away and really make some plays. um but yeah so i mean you're losing some some options in conklin and, and jenkins but there's still people there the only thing is that is that that top level of talent just got minimized which means that you really got to get out there early, which means they probably will overpay for a couple of these guys if they've well, I, any of them. I would. I, I know you guys are a little hesitant, but I'd pay Orlando Brown his money. I would. I, I would. I would. Lock him up. Lock it up. Get yeah. it out the way, and let's just move on to the next one. Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace. Ryan Poles. I keep doing that this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Ryan Poles. I've been good all season, but. Um, Ryan, he's going to have his hands full. No doubt about it. If he wants to have the offseason that all the fans want and that the organization needs all of the things that we all should get, that the offseason that everyone deserves, 
it's going to be really hard. There's a lot. When you got that much amount of money, the players are going to shoot. Everyone shoots high. You shoot low. You meet in the middle. But the players are going to shoot real high. They know you got the money. So I think he's going to have a lot of negotiating done. So don't mess around. If you see an opportunity to lock up a, a guy like that, Boom, do it, get it done, sign the ink, and let's move on to the next uh, next person, next topic. And we got to make sure we start filling these holes. Don't play around. Lock them up. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I think another thing to think about, at least when you're looking at the centers, because there's only maybe a couple guys that are that are great there for centers, but I, it's a pretty solid draft for centers this year as well. You got uh, Patterson out of Notre Dame. Uh, you got Forsyth out of Oregon. You got Olawatimi, uh, Olawatimi from Michigan, and Whipler from Ohio State. That are some pretty good centers that you'll probably be able to plug and play, and not have to worry about them. So there's opportunities there as well. And none of those guys are going to go early. Those are guys that you're probably going to be able to get anywhere between rounds two and four, especially if they can begin to kind of accumulate some picks. Um, that may be something that uh, they target there. And the, the guy from Minnesota, I forget what his name is. Um, drawing a blank here, but he, uh, John Michael Schmidt. Yeah, uh, I was really just, I was just gonna, me- I was just gonna mention him. He, that's a, that's a good one. I, I would take him. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's opportunities there, and I think maybe that's an area where, like, hey, you identify. You know what? I'm gonna lock in these tackles. I want to lock in. Um, McGlinchey, I want to lock in Orlando Brown, and then you know I got Tevin Jenkins at my right guard. I'm going to spend a, a draft pick on nailing down one of these centers, and I'm going to let left guard go to Borum or Leatherwood or whoever, and let them battle it out for that position. So you don't have to fix all of them in one off season, but if you can begin to iron it out and you know fill at least for those positions, then I think they'll be in a good spot going into next season. True, but you definitely have to get Borum off the line. <laughs> I don't care if I got to play that position. You get Borum off that line. That man is absolutely a, a, you know, a casualty. But, um, I mean, we've kind of dabbled a little bit in it. Um, but, you know, I, I, that being said, with the way to go ahead and fill these holes um, through the free agency and the draft, we are looking – at that high draft pick that historically our organization hasn't seen. Mitch Trubisky was, you know, a rarity. We haven't had dra- high draft picks like that. Now here we are again, and we aren't looking for that quarterback. We got our guy. So this is a very, very, I think, historical offseason. So heading into the next topic, um, the offseason draft, the number one position, or I'm sorry, the number one pick. What position do we need to focus on, and who do you think a guy? Who do you guys want it to be? Well, I I was gonna say like based off what's there because you don't want to waste. I mean, obviously in a draft you go by talent, right? You you, you pick the talent there because you can't, you know, that's just where you're going. In my personal opinion, um, I know we were kind of talking about this earlier in the weeks, but. Um, I would see if I can have trade with the team and get multiple picks throughout this draft. Um, but if we were to select somebody, um, I, I mean, I to me, I wouldn't want a running back. Obviously, we don't want a quarterback. 
and I know Skaronsky is going down on the draft. Um, maybe that's who you choose. But again, if you can trade with a team to get multiple picks in this first round um, and even second, I, I would uh, I would do that. That's just my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, they can they can land the number one pick if Houston wins one more game or ties one more game and the Bears lose out. They would, uh, by virtue of winning percentage, they would uh, move into that number one pick. Correct. Oh, then and you take they Will. have you have <laughs> yeah. Jackson. Houston has Jacksonville and Indianapolis. I'm pretty certain Jacksonville is going to be a difficult win for them, but Indianapolis, we got hope there. Yeah, it could be something right there. Well, yeah. I was going to say if if the Bears slip in the one, where you take Will Anderson, you just do it. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not so about nah, that. Yeah, what? Come on now. He is Come not. His, he, he, run, he comes from a 3-4 defense. We run 4-3. He's 243 pounds. Now, I get that. We're thinking maybe he's the next Von Miller, or he could easily be the next Leonard Floyd. So, um, I mean, and and but on the flip side of that, I don't know if you've noticed, but right behind us, very close at possibly the fifth spot is the Detroit Lions. And what I've heard recently is they are looking at possibly Will Anderson. Now, could you imagine if they pair him with Aiden Hutchinson? Yeah, but you don't that's draft a problem. You don't draft to keep a guy off another team. I think I no, 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 if... no, no. I agree. But if he already checks the boxes we need, that's a box that you probably don't see on the list. That's like that hidden box. So I think that that's a huge thing, you know, because I'll be honest with you. If the two of those pair up, oh, my God, that's going to be trouble for years. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're if they land the number one pick, number one thing they're doing is looking to move it. And because for the number one pick, you'll definitely lock up multiple picks. Oh, yeah, I agree. Offline. Will Levis, and I think he even came out today on Mel Kuyper's list of the top quarterbacks. Will Levis is the number one number one quarterback, and the reason why he's number one quarterback on a lot of the, those guys' lists is because he plays in a system that's a West Coast system. The offensive coordinator he had last year uh, actually moved to San Francisco, and now he's coming back, and he'll be the offensive coordinator next year. But in 2021, he was Will Levis's offensive coordinator, and that's when he put up those big numbers. And he had better players that year as well. His offensive line got worse. His receivers got worse. And so naturally you get a, a guy who tries to do too much and probably make some throws that he shouldn't be. But the arm talent's there, and the highlight plays are there, and, and that's and his size, his arm. You know, Bryce Young's good, but Bryce Young's small. He's not as small as Kyler Murray, but he's a small dude. And then C.J. Stroud is is good, but he doesn't have the arm talent as those guys, and he's not very mobile. Um, Are you talking so, about getting a quarterback? No, I'm just telling you what evaluation <laughs> of the quarterbacks are because <clears throat> hey, it's something you have to look at. Who are these teams going to want to come up and trade for? Of right. Course, you you're gonna come up for a guy that has the talent. You're not gonna come up, especially in the Texans. Gonna, you're not gonna come up for a guy that's gonna slip because of those other reasons. And so you if, know what? If that's you get the number thing. one pick, they're gonna want Levis. So agreed. You're gonna want. And us. if we get that number one, if we can, 
please, please, Indianapolis, fall to the Texans <laughs> in the end game. <laughs> Jeff Saturday, just please. You know, if you can find a way, because I'll tell you right now, that would be tremendous because guess who's going to try to want to move up to the number one spot to get that quarterback? Now, obvious, well, maybe not because they know we have Justin Fields, so they know we're not going quarterback. They might sit tight. But nonetheless, yeah, I agree. Trading back down, um, if we have number one, we could shift to number seven and bring in another number one or two number twos um, to fill in between that number two spot, number one spot, number three spot, and the number 58 or 56. Yeah. That's, here's the that would be huge. Yeah, but here's the thing with that. You don't want to move down to number seven. If you're going to move down, you're going to want to stay in the top five. You're not going to want to – you're going to – realistically, you're going to want to stay in this top four because you're still going to want to land one of either um, Will Anderson or uh, Jalen Carter. Because Miles Murphy, you know, that, that Miles Murphy, I think Miles Murphy is going to be awesome. The guy looks like a freaking machine. But yeah. if 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 you were going to have one, my if I were to if the Bears were to land the number one pick and make the number one pick, I've I've just fallen in love with Jalen Carter. They don't make guys that freaking big and athletic that can make plays like he does. He's blocking kicks, he's deflecting passes, he's tackling running backs in the backfield, he's making sacks, he's forcing throws. The guy's a beast. And that's the one position where it's so difficult to find that inside pass rush that can really break up, you know, a quarterback's play. And nah. one thing that Brady's always, always been the weakness of Brady is, you know, pressure up the middle. So if you get a guy that can get the pressure up the middle, he's going to make his defensive ends better. He's going to make his linebackers better. And he's really going to open it up for the rest of the defense. And the the, the Tampa 2 that Iberfluth runs is predicated on having a three-technique tackle. You know, for the Bears yes. all those years, it was Tommy Harris, a guy that can disrupt from the middle. So I think that just screams to me that that would be their ideal pick. But I think – to really maximize things, you're looking at who picks behind them. The Seahawks are at number three. Do the Seahawks really love Geno Smith that much after this season? He's kind of tailed off here at the end. Or are they going to say, hey, here's our chance to go get one of these top quarterbacks? Because they have the number three pick as well as having a pick number 15. Oh, they'd so be crazy. That's something. Yeah, that I guarantee you Geno Smith's on a or, ridiculously stupid cheap contract. Yeah. Or, but he's going to be a free agent this offseason, so you're going to have to pay him. Either you franchise ah, tag him, touche. pay him like touche. a top five quarterback, or you're going to have to give him an extension. And do you want to give an extension to a 32-year-old quarterback? 33. <laughs> so that's where you see, like, you know, like you said to the Bears, you don't pick this high very often. So if you're in need Man, of a quarterback. Man, is Geno, is Geno 33 already? Yeah, he's like 33, maybe 34. He's anywhere between Man, 32 yeah. and 34. They okay. could put together a two-year picture. Yeah. I could see them looking at a two-year picture, saying, "Okay, we feel like we've got our G, we got our QB. Geno's here for two years. If we can get him in the two years, in two years we could be in the dance. We just got to give him the the right tools." So I could see them staying with him. Yeah, the I, I it'll be you never know what Pete Carroll. Um, but I mean, they got rid of Russ. Yeah, will he be here? Because got- he is the oldest coach in the NFL. Yeah, they got rid of Russ pretty easily, you know. So I think they're really good at making those internal evaluations and knowing when to cut the cord. 
Yeah, they do but, look like they know what to do that. Evidence <laughs> by Russ. You look at them, you look at uh, Arizona. Arizona's imploding, and I've heard even things, reading a couple things, that they may even try to move Kyler Murray. Um, oh, because they they're not sure that he's he's the guy, and there's already all that talk in the off season about whenever Call of Duty drops, his his performance drops because he's up all night. <laughs> it totally did again this year too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you got that little curse because other than them, for you know, for the moment, who else has got multiple picks in the first round? You're looking at Carolina. Uh, you're looking at Houston, which, I mean, if you get past Houston, moving to that number one pick, Houston might feel the need to move up because, I mean, they don't really have a quarterback. That's what I'm saying. So Houston might want to move up because then they have the 12th pick, and if they fall behind the Bears at number two, uh, they could be there as well. And then Carolina – And they, got they beat out anybody else trying to jump up to that spot. They're number two. You know, they don't have to give up as much. You know, if they go to the Bears and say, look, we'll swap – and give you this. That's a lot easier to do than other teams who are sitting at the 14th pick. You see what I'm saying? So Texans could definitely move up if they fear somebody like Carolina, who needs a quarterback, because I know they're not sick of a Sam Darnold. They could very well look to be like, hey, we're going to try to make a uh, jump for that first pick. They could cut that off right away by just going right to us. Yeah, but you can even move down twice. Let's say you move from one to three or one to two. Exactly. You, you oh, move down God. again, and then you, you're you know get a middling pick where hey, you know what? At number seven, I will take Murphy, and then yeah. you know what? That pick in the teens, I'm gonna take Skaronsky, and then you just stack both of your lines, and then go for a wide receiver early in the second with whatever you pick up. So, you know, you begin to give yourself multiple options. I think in one mock draft I saw. Um, a guy traded down twice for the Bears. He ended up getting Miles Murphy, ended up getting Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, and he also ended up getting um, one of the offensive linemen. I, I don't think it was Garonsky. I think it might have been the guy from Georgia. Um, but, you know, you look at that for a first round, and you lock up, you know, three of your most important positions of need in the offseason, then you walk away out of that draft feeling pretty damn good. Oh, God, yeah. So I, th- I thought, you know, for, for shits and giggles, we can run through one really quick and, and see what we can do. Uh, set it up for three rounds. They're currently locked in at the second pick in the draft behind um, behind Houston. So Houston takes Bryce Young, number one, leaving Will Anderson as the second-rated player, and then Will Levis and Jalen Carter. So, like I said, with that, I think the next, you know, could be, do you would you make a trade with the, the Detroit Lions? Because there's talk of them, even, you know, with the year that Jared Goff is having, that, you know, would they still want to upgrade the quarterback position for the long term? Or are they good with Jason or Jared Goff? Or would you want to, to give them an opportunity to, like you said, pair Will Anderson with Aiden Hutchinson? They give them a pretty fearsome uh, pass rushing duo there. Um, I would probably not want to trade with them. It's always difficult trading into the division because if things go wrong, then that's something you look at for the next how many years, um, you know, is that missed opportunity. But I would try a trade with, um, like I said, the Seattle Seahawks. 
doesn't for the number three pick as well as the number 34 pick. Okay. I would shoot for a first rounder for next year because uh, it's showing that it's not, it's like a 50 50 on trades. They so not... what's Seattle? What would Seattle be? Three or four? Yeah. Right now they're three. Got it. They are not interested in that trade at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the number thirty-four pick. No, they are not interested. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, the like the PFF is what I'm using. PFF.com, their mock draft simulator, and the the trades are a little trickier to pop in there. Um, on Pro Football Network, uh, usually it'll go ahead and and offer you the trades, um, and that's usually kind of where I get an idea of if I'm going to make trades, kind of what sounds realistic. Because their algorithm kind of takes into account some of those, um, you know, previous trades. So I'm going to use them here for a couple rounds here to see if they give me a trade offer. Well, so they were giving you, what, 3 and 34, you said? I was shooting for 3 and 34. Because oh, okay. typically, if you make if you trade a number one pick, and you know, it usually goes off of that Jimmy Johnson uh, trade value chart. They're the ones that kind of, you know, every pick has a certain value to it and a number value to it, in order for it to go through. And that's kind of what a lot of these simulators go off of. Um, and then it also, I know the. Pro Football Network one uh, always goes off of like past past trades as well. It kind of takes into account some of the real life history. And and clarify for everyone too. We got the right now at this moment number two and what was the other number fifty? What fifty six is the next? Thank you. Uh, is the next uh, draft position? That's the pick from Baltimore that we got in the Roquan Smith trade. Um. Which Roquan Smith made the Pro Bowl? Yes, he did. <laughs> no shocker, no surprise there. You know, I, I mean, uh, I saw that coming from yeah. a mile away. Yeah. So using the Pro Football Network, um, Seattle made an offer for the number two pick. They're often pick number three, number twelve, and number thirty-five. So that would sound too good to pass up, even if you're not yeah. getting a future pick. You're getting two first rounders and an early second rounder. Wait, so so we have we'd have three very early twelve. What was the other one? Thirty-five. Thir- Thirty-five and oh. then fifty-six. Wow. Yeah. So then who do you who do you want, John? They they that? end up so number one to Houston was CJ Stroud. Number two, who Seattle end up taking ended up taking was Miles Murphy, which makes sense because Seattle kind of always kind of picks that guy that you're not thinking of. And Miles Murphy, that high probably wouldn't be thought of. But I, I think as the I can see them go up, is like he's 
he's one of those risers where you see or like Will Anderson is more like a finished product. You know what you're getting that Miles Murphy looks like he's still ascending, like he's still got room to grow. And that's like what excites a lot of people because you're like, we can get that out of him. He can be even better than what he is now. But uh, I, I could see that happening. But after Personally, that, I'm not sold on either one of the two, to be honest. Neither of them right now. Will Anderson just tapped ten sacks, and uh, uh, Miles Murphy has the most he's ever had at seven. Yeah. So in comparison, Khalil Mack had eleven his last season, and Miles Garrett had a little ten and a half. So I don't know. I'm not seeing this guy being the next Miles Garrett or Khalil Mack. Yeah, and I don't know when I was watching the highlight, uh, the highlights of uh, Will Anderson on YouTube. Granted, they're just the highlights, but on a lot of those plays, for some reason, I had I remember texting you about it, Chino. Yeah, yeah. I was, know exactly he, what you're talking about. He was left untouched. Like, how do you yeah. let this guy just walk in untouched and yeah. he's all these sacks? I'm like, well, that's not going to happen in the NFL. Yeah, it's a highlight of one-on-one. He's not getting chipped. It's It, it was shocking. When you pointed that out, I definitely saw what you said. Yeah, but um, yeah, so – after we make that trade, we get offered another trade. Pick number seven and 18 from the Detroit Lions for <laughs> pick number three and 197. Which, mm. it, is it realistic? I could see it being so because you still yeah. have Levis. You still have um, you, Shroud is off. You have Levis. You have Bryce Young. You have Will Anderson. You have Jalen Carter. To where I could see that being a realistic trade offer. It doesn't seem like one that's just happening to happen. So that's kind of the luck you could have if you're picking in one of those top two spots. So I'm going to accept that bad boy. Ooh. So they take Bryce Young, the quarterback. The corner from Georgia, Keely Ringo, he goes to Arizona. Anthony Richardson, quarterback of Florida, who's rising. Uh, he goes number five to Indianapolis, and then Will Anderson goes to Atlanta. So at number seven, the top players on the board are Jalen Carter, Quentin Johnson, and Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson, thank you. Paris Johnson Jr., you go for the tackle? 100%. Stack that trenches. Start right at the offensive line, protecting and, yeah, Justin. And, you got, and, and Ohio State right with them. Right? Ohio ah, yes, you're right. Yes, you very good point. I'm good. They with may that. know each other. Because I think the one guy that I've kind of fallen in love with after kind of going through a couple of these players is Brian Bressy, another defensive tackle. He's from Clemson. That guy is a beast. He's a freaking animal. I don't see him being that far of a drop off from Jalen Carter. And a lot of the, the mock drafts, he's going anywhere between like eight and sixteen. So if that guy's a possibility to still get later on, I think it's a good deal. So Paris Johnson at number seven. Right after him, you get Quinton Johnson to Carolina. Will Levis finally goes to the Raiders. Jordan Addison, wide receiver from USC, goes to um, New England. And Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech goes to Houston. So with that being done, top players on the board, Jalen Carter's still there. Noah Sewell from Oregon, linebacker. Trenton Simpson, linebacker from Clemson. And Brian Bressy from Clemson. I think we go Jalen Carter. I think at that point, it's a situation where you can't let him drop any further. No, no, you can't. I I would take Jalen Carter for sure. 
so then at number 17, uh, Skronsky's gone, Brian Bressy's gone, Sewell's gone, wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's gone. Uh, so the top players on the board are Trenton Simpson from Clemson, Bijan Robinson, the, the running back from Texas, who's a beast, Cam Smith, the corner from Carolina, and Christian Gonzalez, the corner from uh, Oregon. Then you also have Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame, and Isaiah Foskey, the, the defensive end from Notre Dame. For me, for my pick, I think it's a situation where you still go after the best pass rusher, and I would be looking at Foskey from Notre Dame. Or the corner, Carolina, uh, Cam Smith. Uh, Part of me would also just want to say, hey, let me make this offense better and take Bajan Robinson, who's probably the best running back prospect to come out since Saquon. Um. I would uh, – the reason why I wouldn't take a running back is, again, I, 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 you, everyone's heard me. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with um, Montgomery and, you know, uh, and Fields already, that too. And Fields already got his own wheels. So, in that case, I'd take uh, Cam Smith from Carolina at CB. That's just my opinion. Chino, who'd you roll with? I cut. I, I'm, I cut out for a second there. What was the question again? I said, who would you roll with? The corner, the, the linebacker, defensive end. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck in the trenches. You know, I, honestly, I, I, I think right now, in my opinion, okay. So cornerbacks have actually showed up. Kendall Vildor, I will even give him his flowers. You know, I mean, okay, granted, the man's been injured, you know, but besides that fact, um, he's actually held his own this year. Kyler Gordon has really turned things around. Jalen Johnson, so I'm not worried about those. So, again, I would try to redirect back into the trenches. That's just me, you know. You got Broderick Jones, the tackle from Georgia. He's still there. Um or Isaiah Foskey, which which side of the trenches are you looking at? Offense. No, 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 no. You know what? No, no, let me take that back. I, at this point, defense. Yeah, at this point, I would be looking for defense. I'm looking to shore up the offensive line with the first draft pick we could get. Um, but then, obviously, yeah, I would like to move to the defensive line at that point. Um, so I would say um, – what's his name that you just mentioned? Isaiah Foskey, defensive end from Notre Dame. I think the dude has like 10 sacks this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking for guys that got double-digit sacks. Historically, that's the way to go. I'm done with the Leonard Floyds, you know. Uh, They just don't work out to me, in my opinion. Man, he's a guy that's gotten better every year. I think it kind of – you look at some of these teams, and I'm looking at Philadelphia specifically – and their strengths are both lines in the trenches is where they've kind of started to build that team from. And then they've added the pieces that they needed, and they've been aggressive with adding those pieces, even kind of ditching some of the wide receivers that, they have, that they've had there to get the people they wanted. So I think when you have the, the strength in the trenches, it allows you to make those types of decisions. So I, I'm with you. I would take the defensive end. Because then you got your defensive tackle lined up, a defensive end that can kind of complement that, get the pressure, and you got your offensive tackle that's going to keep your. Hey, John, did you yeah. say Jackson Smith uh, Jigba went already? 
Yeah, Ohio State. The pick right before the Bears, number 17 to uh, Green Bay. Otherwise, he would have been. Oh, oh, oh man. And that's another Ohio State guy. Woo. All right. Yeah, because the next uh, running uh, wide receiver, highest rated wide receiver, is Josh Downs from North Carolina, which he's good, but he's he's a, a couple of the next guys are all kind of short guys. Josh yeah. Downs, Carolina. Rasheed Rice from SMU, Zay Flowers, who I like a lot from Boston College, but they're all kind of small. They're all shorter than six feet tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, and I think if you're looking for a playmaker on offense, you're either looking at Bijan Robinson as the running back, who that guy can get chunk yards. He's also a good pass blocker and a good receiving running back, or you're looking at the tight end from Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, which, you know, do no. we want to spend a high draft pick on a on a tight end? No, 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 no we already did that. No, 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 no. Now with the way Kokomet's uh, 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 Green Arrow has been going up, his development this year, yeah, and but, the connection that him and Justin Fields showed that they can have. Oh, yeah, we don't need a tight end. I think Foskey's there. I think um, you know you got BJ uh, Ajulari from LSU, and a guy that's really moving up the ranks right now is Jared Verse from Florida State. So right now he's a 34th rated player. I think by the time the draft hits, he's going to be probably talked about in this area of the draft. Dude's dude's a beast, and that's a guy that he went from what was it like Albany College or something, to Florida State, and the guy's been a beast. So I, I think if we do this a month from now, uh, he may be there. But I think for the for the sake of this exercise, we'll go with Foskey from Notre Dame. Yeah, I there agree. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm scaling back from taking the corner at this point. So, it's a deep draft for corners. From what I was reading, it's a, deep, it's a deep draft for defensive tackles, for corners, and for offensive line. Yeah, because at at 56, they still got uh, Eli Ricks from Alabama on there too, mm-hmm. um, and that was our number, right? Were we 56? Yeah. Yeah, well, we also got the 35th pick that we picked up in that. Oh, right, right. So if we're looking, offensive playmakers, wide receiver Rasheed Rice from SMU. Um, he is uh, – he, no, he's not as – he's bigger than I thought. He's 6'2". Um, so he's got uh, – he's he's a guy that does well in, in space. He's a good route runner. He's a good run-after-the-catch guy. Uh, 6'2", 203, so he doesn't have, like, the big build. He's a little skinnier guy. Um, Who's this guy? Rashi Rice from SMU. Oh, okay. Okay. Is uh, uh is Jalen Hyatt still available? Jalen Hyatt's there. He's rated at 58. He's one guy that I always kind of target in the in the mock drafts just because he's in that, like, that second-round range where he – a lot of the mock drafts I've run, he's fallen to that number 58. That's what I was going to figure. And that's usually where I try to get him because that guy – can make plays he had that game for uh tennessee against was it the alabama game where he put up like 300 yards or something like i that? thought that's what it was i'm Three, almost four, positive five. he went i think so yeah he went bananas so that's it, it, like this next group of wide receivers the guys that i've been looking at are zay flowers from boston college who's he's 510 he's small but he he almost kind of reminds me of um of uh steve smith almost just because that dude don't back down from anybody, and he like go up and get it and make plays, and he can break tackles crazy. 
Um, yeah. Jalen Hyatt just seems like that dude who has number one potential. He's just a little bit smaller. He's six foot 180, but he's a guy that can run every route and catches damn near everything thrown his way. So even though he's rated 58, he was he's a guy that I could see going this early. And he would be a guy that I wouldn't mind if they were, were picking at 35, made the stretch to pick him. Um, the other guys you got, and we're just looking at the overall board, Michael Mayer still there from Notre Dame. You got Jared Verstel there from uh, Florida State. Offensive tackle, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Uh, Henry Tuo from Alabama, the linebacker, and you got the edge from uh, Kansas State, uh, and a DK Uzoma. Uzuma. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, at, at some point, I feel like you're going to have to make a reach, and that Jalen Hyatt's a guy that I would make the reach for in this situation. That's what I. That's what I've seen. I wouldn't want to see him get taken. That would. Uh, that'd be tough. I think, and that's also another situation where when you trade down and you accumulate more of these picks, it allows you the opportunity to make a couple of those reaches and feel comfortable about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why you do it. So I went with Jalen Hyatt on that one. Yeah. 56. Michael Mayer still there at tight. Um, John Michael Schmitz, the offensive lineman, the off, the center from Minnesota, who we talked about earlier. Um, is Dalton, Henry from is Henry Tuatu uh, from Alabama still there? No, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because I wow. another area they didn't need to get a linebacker as well. But um, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, the tight end guy's pretty pretty good. He's another guy I think can complement. Um, uh, God, I can't even think of his name right now. Comment. Uh, but I, I think for me at this point, it would either probably be John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota, or even Andre Carter II, the second, uh, the defensive end from Army. And you also got Jalen Duncan, the offensive tackle from Maryland. Hmm. We need a nose tackle. Bad. So bad. Defensive tackle, nose tackle. We really need that position. There's a there's a pretty big drop off, um, but you got Brandon Dorless from Oregon, 65th ranked player. We're picking at 56, um, and then you, you kind of got some other guys here from the 80, rated 84 uh, or Hor from Clemson, Brian Young, uh, Byron Young from Alabama, ranked 95th, Massey Smith from Michigan, ranked 102nd. So. It's, it's quite a drop-off after this. I think one guy I think I've been kind of targeting in a couple of my mocks that I've been kind of messing around with, Tyler Davis from Clemson. Uh, he's another big dude, another guy that I that I saw when I was watching the, the highlights for Brian Bressy uh, is him, but he went two picks earlier to Miami. Ooh. But I, I think it's a situation where you kind of just let the board fall to you where sure. Mike Mayer at tight end – 23rd ranked player, you're picking at 56. You need somebody to compliment Komet, and you need offensive weapons where it may just be like, hey, he's there. Might Is that Kincaid well. you're talking about? No, that was uh, Michael Mayer, tight end. Oh. From Notre Dame. Uh, but Kincaid, Kincaid's a little bigger. Um, Michael Mayer is six foot 251. Oh, Kincaid's a little 
smaller, 6'4", 227. Um, and he's only been playing football for six years. But this guy's been playing at a high level. When you watch his tape, uh, the dude just gets open and can make crazy catches. And he's got some pretty good speed uh, for, for a tight end. He's more of a receiving tight end. Where Michael wow. Mayer, Michael Mayer was or like, you know, traditional tight end, like a commit. That's yeah. crazy that he fell that far. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's it just for the sake of this. So we can get to the third round. We'll take Mayer. So he, he dropped to somebody you take a shot on. And with the 65th pick, third round, you still have the, the center, John Michael Schmitz there from Minnesota. Uh, you have a couple running backs, Syracuse and Auburn. You got the offensive tackle, Jalen Duncan from Maryland, I think would also be a good pickup. And then you got your defensive tackle, Brandon Dorless from Oregon. And also a, a linebacker I liked once I started to see his name come up a lot and I started to look at him a lot too is DeMarvian uh, Overshone from Texas. Uh, dude can, he's one of those guys that can run sideline to sideline. He's not, um, you know, he's 6'4, 220, so he's, he's pretty long and rangy. I think he doesn't have as much bulk, uh, but he's a guy that can, like, when he makes a decision, he's gone and he can fly and he's pretty fast. Uh, I think he's sure. a guy that, that can kind of be someone to keep an eye on and kind of in this range, that third to fourth round range. Uh, but I, I, th- I think it's another situation where you take the best player available that, that fell and it just so happens to be in a position of need at center and John Michael Schmitz. Heck yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. So you, you let that play out. I'll let this keep simulating through here. And you're looking at, you know, going into this draft with only three picks there in the first three rounds, we turned it into six and you got Paris Johnson, offensive tackle from Ohio state, Jalen Carter at number 12, defensive tackle from Georgia. Isaiah Fossey, defensive end from Notre Dame at number 18. Wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, number 35 at Tennessee. Tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame uh, at 56. And center John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota at 65. And not to mention we still got all this cap room here to make some moves. That's great. Correct. You you can easily – just about all those guys starting. Michael Mayer, this offense runs a lot of two tight end sets. So while he may not be starting, he's still going to get a lot of snaps. And Jaylen we could Hyatt, afford it. Jalen Hyatt, <laughs> you can plug and play to be one of your top three receivers if they don't add anybody in the offseason, like someone like a T. Higgins. Um, or maybe, you know, you take one of these drafts, that you the picks that you get in the draft, and you make a play for T. Higgins. Say, hey, I got an extra second rounder or I got an extra this let me trade for T. Higgins let me trade for DeAndre Hopkins or Mike Evans or something like that so I think uh, if, if, if the draft were to happen like this in the first three rounds I'd be completely happy who was the wide receiver what was his name again that we had uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee oh that's right so imagine if we got Higgins and he went off uh, yesterday or the other day you got yeah, Higgins Claypool Mooney I mean, that's just going to be nasty. Higgins and Claypool are are tall receivers. They're huge body receivers. Mooney, yes. not so much. He's a perfect complement. So I would agree. Yeah, so I think this is something that we can probably try to run through a couple times as we move into the offseason and 
start to really solidify our draft position and really kind of look where they're going to be at because you see what the possibilities are once you continue to move up in the draft and how much those those picks may be desired, especially you start to see some people fall. You know, they have enough holes where, you know, they're not just one player away right now. So you can add multiple players and hopefully somebody on their end falls like a Jalen Carter uh, to where you can take advantage of that as well. But I think this draft did a good job of solidifying both lines. I think this draft, you got a starter at center, you got a starter at tackle, then you got a starter at defensive tackle and then start at defensive end. So uh, there's definitely some, some building blocks here, but oh, yeah. we'll continue to uh, explore all off season potential uh, situations here as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, we've got a game coming up. I don't even know who they're playing anymore. I'm, I'm right Detroit. Detroit. We're at Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Uh, <laughs> no, they play home against Detroit, don't they? And home, they finish with Detroit and with uh, Minnesota. Yeah, we're at Detroit, then home versus Minnesota. All right. Well, that's uh, Detroit's been playing hot. They're still playing for a playoff spot. So, uh, you know, they're going to be going hard, and they gave the Bears a loss last time they played. And then Minnesota, I th- the way they're going, it kind of looks like they still may be playing for playoff positioning. They may not. And with Philadelphia losing, uh, I'm not sure where it puts them in the uh, number one seed rankings. But, uh, you know, you're still going to want to be as high a seat as you can uh, to avoid playing somebody like Dallas uh, in there at the end of the season. So um, be interesting to see how things continue to, to uh, develop here as we wrap up the season. But I think it's exciting also to see kind of what the potential of this bears team can be uh, building around just. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the very fact that we have our quarterback, it's like, it's a century in the making. <laughs> for real for real well with that being said I think it's time to wrap things up here on the Bear Raid podcast uh, thank you to Chino and, and Greg honey doing our thing and we'll, we'll talk about it all again next week see where we're at hopefully one step closer to locking up that number one pick thanks for tuning in and as always bear down Bear Bear down, down. Bear fans.